2: David is interesting, as I say, he's an entrepreneur, and um, he has a, a company called Inception, which is actually a mental wellness. It's a variety of different things. Mm-hmm. It's um, an actual a physical uh, facility, um, and it actually just reading it. I'll let him explain it better yeah. than I can. But it attacks it. I don't want to say attack. It, it approaches mental health from a whole different standpoint.
0: Yeah. I'd, I'd like to call it, and maybe you can take, maybe you guys call it this: a certain a wellness enterprise.
1: Well, we call it the first
2: mental health gym. Okay. Mental health gym. Yeah, that's that's something that. So let's start right there, because that's that really caught my attention, because usually it's a mental health clinic, mental health facility, mm-hmm. um, even like a, a mental hospital. Right. I've never heard of it. a mental gym. When you think of gym, you think of like exercise and working out physical gym. Mm-hmm. So it was mm-hmm. interesting when you said mental health gym. So what, what is that? I mean, what's a mental health gym?
1: Well, I, the reason why I came up with the term mental health gym is because I want to normalize the actual um, process for everyday people to come in and, and and take care of their. The number one thing we have is our mind, right? But there's nothing for just the everyday average person. When we talk about mental health, we always talk about you know the aunt who's schizophrenic or something like that. We go to this very extreme, but. W- but we don't understand that seventy to ninety percent of doctors' visits are due to stress-related illnesses. So, all of your your issues that's happening right now is based on stress and anxiety, and and well, stress anxiety is just a symptom of uh, stress, but stress and and trauma. So, I wanted to create something um, in my first business, you know, kind of going back in two thousand seven, because I personally suffer from anxiety, depression, and panic attacks, and From that standpoint, I was personally looking for something to help me overcome what I was dealing with. But at that time, there's only two resources really available to us. Typically, it's uh, talk therapy and the other is is medication. Um, And that's when I first I found my first technology that we use um, called brainwave optimization. Brain training is the other term for it. And that helped me overcome my anxiety by 50 percent just in one day pharmacology can't even get those types of results. And this is all alternative-based technology. It's not considered in the mental or the medical field. So in in discovering that technology and having that experience for myself, that me and my dad brought that technology, we were the first ones to bring it back to Michigan. And we first started what's called Neuro Fitness Center. So really the mental health gym is just an extension of that foundation that we started in 2007 and so Inception is just, it was a name. And it's like, well, I need to put a title to it that to, to call the people to understand that, hey, you go to the physical gym. Mm-hmm. Like, do you do something for your inner yeah. your inner self?
0: I think you said yeah. something, something brilliant. You said a lot of people across the country, they, they look at gyms opening up, right? And a lot of people work um, on that outside appearance, but they forget about the inside appearance. And it really just yeah. means that there's a lack of something inside that makes you want to have the outside be validated more than it should be um it was when you took that into mind right and and creating inception and thought about the the brain training how what took the technology where did you get this from because you didn't initially study science right
1: no um my back well my background is in information technology so but the brain is really like like the internet and the universe is like the Internet. They all mimic each other. So um, so I kind of understood networks and I understood that I understood neuroplasticity and neuroplasticity is the idea that your brain can actually change itself. Because growing up, we taught we were taught that you know, we all probably heard it, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, that really conditioned us to understand that once something was set, you're pretty much stuck with that pattern. There's nothing you can do about it. That's always been the, 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 the conversation, but that's, that's not true. Your brain is constantly changing and developing. The, the problem is we continue to do the same pattern. So we get the same results. Right. Um, so yeah, I, the, the, we found that technology and I found it out of Arizona. Um, and it's, it's just some amazing people out here that's been doing amazing things in the alternative world, but you never hear about it because it's not, it's not in mainstream medical society. So we are so I was really kind of like on a cusp on an out as an outlier out here with you know these people in the alternative world and looked at it in a specific way, but now you fast forward thirteen years later, you're hearing everybody know who's Dr. Savy was. I knew who Dr. Savy was thirteen years ago, but you didn't hear that story mm. because that story was suppressed because look it's it's money and sickness, not necessarily in being well
2: so can we talk about your journey as far as so two thousand and five? You um you suffered from severe anxiety, panic attacks, depression, and insomnia, right? Um, so wh- where did th- did that just happen overnight, or was that something that you always kind of struggled with and just kind of got worse as you became older? Or
1: yeah, so kind of like both. I always try to take people in and understand the trauma paradigm and understanding that we've all experienced trauma in our lives. Uh, the problem is when we talk about trauma, we always think about it from, a, you know, someone was in a car accident, and somebody was raped or something like that. But trauma is anything that's overwhelming to your nervous system. You could have been, you know, coming down the slide as a kid and then your dad or your mom forgot to catch you and you fail. And all of a sudden you're traumatized by that. So it, it can take very small instances that can overwhelm your system, you know, depending on how your system sees a threat. So you take a look at, I, I tell people, they say, what happened to you? I say, well, I was born. The moment you're born, your trauma clock starts ticking. You start to, you know, experience world in an unsafe way. And anytime your brain feels unsafe, it's going to go into the fight, flight, freeze response to protect you. So that's all trauma is. Trauma is, is nothing but a defense mechanism based on lack of safety. So I've had, you know, you, you go into school. We all at one point in time either we were bullied at school or we were the bully. And those two things stem from, you know, a lack of safety. Right? So going to school, you know, you have instances of school and then growing up, I was in a couple car accidents and really is no one event for me that took me to that one place. It just was accumulation of everything to the point where now my system can no longer adapt. And now I'm having panic attacks and anxiety and depression. But when people come to me and they they say they have these symptoms, I always go back, okay, what happened before? what happened when you started getting these symptoms, and it's all you can trace it back to that trauma
2: so you you spoke about as far as um a technique I forget what it's called, but it's the brain um is it alternative yeah yeah what what is the, what exactly is that?
1: So brain training is a is a computer software uh, is the technical term is called neurofeedback. Neurofeedback have been around for 30 years. So back to that trauma uh, concept where your brain is going to go into a state of defense based on what you're up against. Right. And it's going to protect you. Now, this is all instinctual. It has nothing to do with you. You know, your brain is going to react just like if it starts to get warm in this room in your room you may start to sweat, but you didn't turn the sweat glands on, right? Like, so your body, your body is hardwired and coded to protect you. Um, so, but after the event is over, after the stressful traumatic event is over, your brain becomes locked down in that pattern, still protecting you from stuff that happened years ago. So the neurofeedback is allowing your brain is, is we placing sensors on the scalp and it's all, it's all read only. It's not electroshock therapy. So it's no, you know, juice going into the, the sensors. So it's picking up the brainwave activity in real, real time, sends it to the computer software, and the computer software begins to send back these, this information to the brain, where you listen to, you're listening to music, and there's these skips, pauses, and interrupts in the music. And what that is, those skips, pauses, and interrupts, is when your brain is going into these patterns of like what I spoke about before, of stress and trauma, and the brain becomes aware of itself. So if I say, hey, you got something on your face right here, what do you do? You're going to go and try to get it off your face because you want to be optimal. Well, the same thing happens to the brain when it's able to observe itself. So the brain training is really is acting as a mirror so the brain can see itself and the brain can change itself. The brain changes itself by moving from a state of anxiety, stress, trauma, to a state of relaxation because now the brain recognizes, hey, the threat is gone. It's not even in front of us anymore. Why are we still acting as if that threat is still present? So we have clients who will come in and they'll do, you know, brain training in one session and they'll end up in tears. Why is it? Because now the brain finally let go of everything that was held on to and the body is now going to a relaxed state and the emotions have to surface.
2: Okay. So um, as far as you know, turning it into an actual business, right, because you decided to try not only help people but actually build out a whole brand about it, where was the, what was the deciding fact and how did that come about as far as, all right, so you, you had um, some issues and then you actually seek help yourself and it worked out for you and now you actually want to turn that into something where you're helping other people, like what's the process into actually incorporating it and, and actually making it something that you want to make into an enterprise?
1: So the, the when we created the first business, Neuro Fitness Center, um, you know, we were using that technology. So we became affiliates of that technology. Um, and again, we brought that back here and was the first ones. And we only had one one technology at that time. And when we were out in Arizona, me and my dad, we saw all these people come in. None of us. When I mean us, none of, none of no black people was there. Yeah. Uh, other than the fedex guy delivering stuff right so me and my dad the only people there and we're seeing people come in through like lunch breaks and things of that nature and we started talking to a lot of them and the results that they were getting was amazing and it was it was like our results so we felt like this is this is something that people really needed and but we were really naive because we thought as you know just me and my dad we thinking as entrepreneurs and thinking oh this could really help people and people would want it but people didn't really want it Yeah, okay. that, that, that was that was,
0: that was my next thing it was like there's a stigma especially in our community around mental health it's not something we want to talk about like you like you said it's <laughs> like oh that's my that's my uncle who lives in that room and don't mess with him and how did you right. how did you get around that stigma and and combat that when you were going on this journey
1: you know, honestly, I didn't even, I didn't even recognize the stigma. I just knew that I had an issue. I was an entrepreneur. I got a tool to help me and I was helping other people and we had clients coming in. So I never really looked at it as a, as an issue. Uh-huh. But, but along the way, I started recognizing that when we even just offered it free to our family, like they wouldn't even come in. <laughs> so it was like, what, what's, what's wrong? Why don't, why don't you come in? And it's not just that it was a stigma; it's because um, people have an association to their pain, where you know, an unfamiliar gain is greater than a familiar, uh, you know, gain. So a familiar pain is greater than unfamiliar gain. So the people will want to stay in that pattern because it's like, well, I know this pain, and I don't know what's on the other side of this, but I'm familiar with this, so I rather stay in this pattern. That is a psychological term that's out there is, is secondary gain. They actually receive something from staying in the states that they're in. You'll see people who will constantly complain about having all these different things, but you'll see that they won't actually take a steps to do anything about it. So that's kind of like thing that we've been kind of up against for the last 13 years. So to really answer the question, I've just really stayed the course For the last thirteen years to you know how three you know how truth goes through those three stages? Mm. First is violently opposed, second is highly ridiculed, and thirdly is widely accepted. Well we're going on a widely accepted stage. I just happen to be still doing what I've been doing thirteen years ago and and evolving along with, you know, the 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 consciousness as it moves towards that.
2: So as far as um, you know, I know you have the thirty five hundred square foot facility and I would assume that um, building out a mental wellness facility or mental wellness company in general would be kind of hard to get financing because, like you said, especially in our community, black community, it's not something that we um, really acknowledge. Even a lot of people still don't even acknowledge mental illness, and it's not something that we talk about, and it's not something that you know people don't really go to therapists that much. So like, how was that journey as far as like financing like, how were you able to get financing and, and actually, you know, get people excited and rally behind a business that there's definitely a need for, but, um, it, like I said, it's not really like a popular thing.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll talk to you about the, all the pitfalls along the way, because I want people to have a very, uh, clear picture that this is not like easy peasy right um so when we first started it was just me and my dad and he put up his own money for whatever technology we needed at a time we had like 1100 square feet and so along the way again i kept looking at different things because i still needed to get better myself and there's no one tool that just takes you to the promised land you know you need you know multitude of tools if you go to the gym if you if that gym just has a bench press i mean you're out of there right so we need We need multiple tools. So along the way, I just kept taking the money that we were making and reinvesting it back into the business and adding different technologies. Um, But it started really taking off in 2014 when I added one of our most popular services called flotation therapy. Hmm. And flotation therapy had been really uh, growing around the world. And so that one service, by adding that one service, my, my business started to really skyrocket. And people started going out there and making what's called float centers. But because I had my background and what I was doing in the beginning, I knew that just having a center with one tool eventually wasn't going to be the thing. Right. It wasn't going to work. We had a, We had a gym here years ago. It was called uh, Fitness USA, and they had um, these lifetime memberships. And this is before all the gyms started really popping up around 1999. Um, And what I saw, too, was happening is that places like Bally's and fitness, uh, LA Fitness, and they they start coming on board. And what do they start doing? Add more amenities, right? Add more services. So I kind of took that same approach and said, you know, if you just got one service as these these wellness based technologies come out and you have no philosophy or rhyme or reason of what you're doing, you know, it's going to be hard to survive that. And that's really what's been happening. You see people with these one tools and they really don't even know how they work. So I had the framework um, and understanding of what, what it is that we were actually doing to the point where I had a medical doctor come and do some floating. And he said, You know, I want to open up something. Um, and this was with our neurofitness center uh, business. And we went and opened my full fledged concept uh, up in Ann Arbor. So we did that. And that's how I, I actually that was an investor that came in that put that money up. But then we started having problems with that investor and we, we had to go through a lawsuit with that investor. And next, you know, I'm out of that location. Long story short. Uh, so anybody who thinks about going to law uh, to sue someone specifically, if it's a medical doctor, if you if you have color, that's probably not the best thing to do. You know, you're probably not going to win that fight. Um, but, and not winning that fight, it was a great situation for me because I had already learned, you know, how to build out, do a build out. And I already had multiple people coming at me wanting to do more things because they saw the model that we had and understood it. And so I moved away from that and started fresh and just started inception as the beginning of something new.
0: So at that point you you have the, the brain ther- brain training and then the flotation device flotation med- uh, therapy
1: six different services at that time
0: okay okay so my quick question about the 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 brain training is I want to know the difference between that and meditation or are they combined like what what's the differences there
1: so meditation is simply closing your eyes and observing yourself so that you become self-aware of your your thought process right mm-hmm Well, meditation can be really hard for people whose nervous system, again, you're stuck in that fight or flight response, that fight or flight or freeze response. So when you close your eyes, you try to meditate. It's like your mind is just racing and it just feels, you feel very overwhelmed by trying to meditate. So the brain training is not necessarily a meditation tool. It's really, and this is what's trying to take place with meditation as well Is just a slower moving process. But brain training is like that meditation on steroids where it's really it's deactivating your 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 autonomic nervous system, which has to do with that fight or flight response. So when it comes to mental health, I don't look at it from a psychological standpoint. And that's where most people look at it at. And your your authorities on the subject matter shows you that. These are brain body issues that we have within the what's the mental health is is brain body issues. So again, that brain training is really looking at the structure of your brain and body and deactivating that versus having it go at, go after you in a conscious way. So, yes. th- did that make sense?
2: Yeah, 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 man. The the issue is in the tissues, right?
1: It's in the tissues. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> so you said so. I want to go back to the to the gym. So that's interesting though because. You know, gyms, um, they do have a unique business model. And like you said, I mean, they have different, you know, different things. Like you go to a, a gym and they might have a yoga class and they have a spin class. They don't just have just one thing. If it's a good gym, like they have a variety of different things. So if you for you to open a, a mental gym, it makes complete sense that you actually offer a variety of different classes and things like that. So from a business standpoint, do you run it the same as a gym? Like is it a monthly Membership that people pay like per month, or can they pay like à la carte? Like, okay, I want to go to this class, or I want to go to this class. Like, and do you have to go to classes every week? Like, how how's that?
1: Well, all of our all of our te- technologies are really kind of plug and pe- play. Um, they aren't class based, so you come in and, and how we structured it with these the circuits, our Total Life Reset circuits is three tech three technologies, three services within a ninety minute time frame. And we have a set price for that. Um, We had a membership model, too, where people can come in and get that same circuit once a month. Um, And so we have two different circuit tracks as well. So really what we're doing is, is taking all those years of everything I've learned and simplifying it and saying, hey, this is what you need to come in and do and why. Versus you trying to figure out you got six different technologies. What do I do? You ever seen the people at the gym and you see them on these videos where, you know, they like funny videos, people on workout machines. They're doing crazy stuff because they don't know how to. Nobody taught them how to use it. Right. Mm -hmm. Think about what we do in our technologies. People people don't know really why they're using something. So we want to we want to guide them along the process. And so this is something that we're constantly carving out to that understanding for ourselves and for them.
2: And that's the philosophy of it all. All right. Go, go. So in the next segment, we're going to get into some more details and, uh, yeah, find out some more information for sure. All right. So in this segment, we're going to talk about a few different things. But uh, one thing that um, I'm curious and I'm sure a lot of people might be interested in in nowadays is um, the mental effects of uh, isolation and social distancing. This is something that we've never really seen on a large scale, but it's been scientifically proven that. You know, humans for the most part are social creatures, um, whether Mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, attending a religious institution or whether it's a church or whatever, or um, going to school, going to work, everything. Most for the most part, you're always congregated around people. Even if you're an introvert, you still go to school. You still go to work like you have some kind of interaction. This is like the first time. And, you know, I can remember probably in modern history where everybody's been isolated for a long period of time. So what do you think the mental effects um, of social distancing will be on on people
1: um lowered immune system and um high trauma because i so 2007 i heard a story and, and i don't have the exact source of this but they were telling me that so if there's a let's say there's a pool of fish and one fish diverts from that pool and that there, there's an earthquake with well, a pool of fish together collectively survive that earthquake, that one fish, that one off dies. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's group economics, it's group energy, it's group currency, right? You by yourself stand alone. You can't survive that. This is why we go to churches. This is why we're, we're, we're really very tribal. You know, we, we are more stronger together than we are apart. So the social distancing affects. I mean again it's, it's it's our brain is literally reacting to this. our brain is reacting to lack of touch too, because touch is huge, and we don't we don't really don't even talk about that um so specifically as being, uh men men don't really get touched why why do we think we always have to sex? We don't really get touched would well, you get a handshake from your brother or something like sometimes but you don't really you, it's not like many people hugging you right? So I I think that we're going to see some major deficits from this in terms of just mental, emotional, physical, because of, again, distancing and constantly seeing trauma over and over again by constantly watching the numbers. And, you know, in Detroit, a lot of people have died. So to keep seeing that people, I know people who I went to school with, parents and things of that nature, that's, that's very traumatic to be watching that. So I think that it's, it's, it's going to be worse
0: than the virus. Yeah. And I I'm, I work in elementary school, so I'm always thinking about the the mental well-being of the, the children that are going through this, right? I have a, a son who's in kindergarten. So this is his first school experience, right? And there's so many children throughout uh, the United States and throughout the world, really, that are living in social isolation. Sometimes that's not the best environment. Do you think there is, like, maybe something modified that brain training could be something that could creep into education? Right. Because I, I feel like the the mental health piece is going to be something that we won't know the long term effects. Right. Because we're living in it right now.
1: Mm-hmm. So say that again. Do I think that brain training would be kind of or
0: some type of modified version of it, of having mel- mental health professionals? I know you guys have a team there. Is it something that could creep into education?
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we've been looking at. Um, Wanting to be able to put this into like school settings, but it's just a lot of red tape involved in that um, Now we do work with uh, we do work with kids in general um, But again, it's a lot of red tape with that But we we actually made some headway and in get into the Detroit police and right before this happened We had 20 Detroit police officers that was supposed to come in on April 5th and that got di- diverted so so that's something that we want to do is get out there and be inside communities and take our tools outside of the doors uh, to the people who need it, which is really, you know, everybody.
2: So one of the things that stops middle class, just black community in general, from going to, to mental health is um, the prices. Right. So like, um, you know, therapist. They can charge. It depends. A hundred dollars an hour, thousand dollars an hour, depending on what part of the country you're in. And it, mm-hmm. I think it's always been looked at as kind of like a luxury. A lot of times, going to therapy is something that you know people, wealthy people, will do. So, what's, what's your, what's your, a, what's your thoughts on that? Like I said, specifically, specifically for our community, what's your thoughts on that? And um, how have you? Battle that as far as your your business because Obviously, you're in Detroit, which isn't, you yeah. know, um, it's a it's a blue collar town, which obviously has had a lot of economic um, issues. So, like, what's what's how do you handle that from the economic standpoint?
1: I, I handle that as a businessman and understanding that people pay for what they want. You know, people pay for the things they find value in. So the problem hasn't necessarily been the pricing. The problem has been they don't see the value in it. Like, I don't understand, like, what is this really doing for me, you know? But the, we'll stand in line for Jordans. We know this. How many times we? somebody on your show had to say that, right? Maybe stand in line for Jordans. <laughs> that's yeah. always
0: the example that's you.
1: <laughs> I, I just thought, I just it thought just about that. just happened the other day, right?
0: Yeah, every, and, everybody, that's the example. And we do. The,
1: uh, and and my thought process is because when I was dealing with anxiety and panic attacks, you know, I, I'm not a wealthy person, but I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to get, I'm going to get what I want. And I I put a lot of money into myself because that's, if I put so much into here, I'm going to get more out of myself. I'm going to be in a better state to be able to manifest and create opportunities for myself and other people. Those shoes or whatever things that we buy, it don't, it doesn't do that. Right. So I think that has just really been a, um, it's been a brand issue you know and that's what i think that inception that we're rebranding mental health because i'm working with a lot of you know hip hop artists i want to work with um you know we work with charlemagne working with people i don't want to look at this as like you know come cuz you have this issue no come because you want to better yourself yeah. not now, because you have some diagnosis
2: yeah i'm glad you said that i want to talk about the charlemagne thing too because he's just actually this is you're the second guest that um he's worked with um, and I think it's interesting because yeah, he's been very vocal about his Big mental time. his Big mental time. health, uh, and he's wrote a book about it. And um, he's he's been you know obviously very on the forefront of that. So how did that partnership um, come about as far as with, with you and Charlemagne?
1: I told my mom back in January 2019. I said I'm gonna get Charlemagne. I don't know how I was gonna do it. Just <laughs> I just believe. I mean, I'm. I'm big into manifesting. I'm big into creating my reality and understanding that. And by using all my tools, it gives me a, 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 a level of peace and, and slow downness and relax, where I can uh, be a businessman who's going to be on the be in the flow versus trying to make things happen. I don't I don't like that process. I want to be in the flow of everything. So for Charlemagne, it was just natural. It's like this guy is talking about this, but I feel like he's missing pieces hmm. that I. Lied to him, um, and so I kept tagging him, and in a post because we had some posts that went viral about. There's a picture of me and my mom saying how we created the first mental health gym, and it started it started going viral. So I started taking it and retagging it, retagging him and and Big Shine as well because Big Shine's from the D. Yeah. So I'm tagging him. I'm tagging you know the, the notable people in the mental health field. Like I want to talk to y'all. All right, and one day i wake up and i just look at my ig and i see ct the guy start following you i'm like yo this dude just started following me <laughs> I'm, like, I'm tripping out like it's like nine o'clock in the morning it actually it's like six o'clock in the morning i'm tripping out like and i wonder is he gonna uh message me because i had already messaged him
0: yeah
1: I told him hey i got this going on i to work with you blah 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 right and he messaged me and said first everything he says peace he said, "Peace." Oh man, he said, "What's your number, man?" So he he gave me his number, and we we started talking. You know, I told him what I was doing, and he was like, "You know, I I want to be down with what you're doing." And so we, you know, we had a little uh, back and forth in terms of playing tag until one day I finally we we kind of reached reached each other and 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 started really building. And I went and picked him up. It was like June second last year. I still remember June fourth last year. And I picked him up, we were riding in the car, I said, hey, you found me through me tagging you, right? He said, no, that's not how I found you. And I said, well, how did you find me? He said, I looked up mental health gym, I searched mental health gym because I wanted to create something to ah. see if it was something that was like a mental health gym out there. And and at that moment I knew, is it saying that what you're seeking is seeking you. Hmm. And me and him were seeking each other, and so he he said, "As he said, man, I, I saw it, and I if I saw some other dudes was doing it, I was just gonna do my own thing." <laughs> he said, "I thought it was a brother, and I saw you had been messaging me, and so that's that's really how it happened, and we've been, you know, we've been building ever since then."
0: Yeah, he's he's definitely been at the forefront of, of the mental health uh, space. Have you seen um, more men of color um, as clients since then? And and was the demographic of clients that you have?
1: Well, first, let me say this. In the first probably 12 years, my client was 99% white women. Okay. That was my clients. Last year alone, I saw more black people come through that door in probably a month than I had in the whole 13 years. Hmm. And black men, we're definitely showing up now. So I, I, the numbers are really half and half to the point where someone asked me, said, is this place for black people? only?" <laughs> I said, no, but, but, but people assume that now because so many black people are coming in.
0: Right. The, the perception.
1: Um, so it's it's we're gravitating to it. We we're getting this message. It's it's our time to really heal. And and I think that uh, men like they Look at us. We're talking about this. Right. Right. And, now we're like, hey man, like no, like no, this stuff I learned in childhood was dysfunctional. This was not, <laughs> this is not the way to go, right? We understand that. I can even look back at our music, like man, I love this stuff, but man, that was dysfunctional. <laughs> like that, some of that stuff wasn't good for my mind, you know. So it's a lot of us coming in now, so it's it's uh it's exciting to see actually.
2: So um, how do you market? How do you market just because it's, it's not like a uh, a traditional business, I guess where you know obviously it kind of takes a little bit more creativity to market but i I like what you said about the the story that's a great way of marketing um things like social media and stuff like that so what's your what's your marketing strategy?
1: Uh, that's my main marketing strategy right now is is do the um i g do Instagram and then word of mouth and then I do have uh around i think we have around twenty twenty to thirty ambassadors hmm. I started really connecting with uh, people in the city who were really movers and shakers, who I thought really fit what we what we do, and they okay. and they came in, and and so they go out and they they spread that word. Can, can
2: you talk about that? The ambassador program, like what what does that look like?
1: So our ambassadors, uh, they have access to our services, and you know, and I, like I tell them, come in and use everything, and get yourself to a place of the best. Mental space, physical space that you can be in because at that point, you're just a walking billboard. You know, it's kind of like if you're walking around with six packs of abs and, and you know, your shirt's off, people gonna run up to you like, Hey, you, you a trainer? Yeah. You can train me. <laughs> so, so really, that's that's really the same model that we have for our ambassadors. Um, it's very simple for them, but um, you know, they come in, use the services, and they and they go out into the community and they see people who who, you know, want it and they bring them in. So
2: just regular, just regular people or.
1: Yeah. So, So, yeah,
2: I mean, somebody else said that the other day that we spoke to, um, or Janice to shout out to her, but it's like, you got to have evangelists. So people look at influencer marketing and they only look at it like on Instagram as like, paying celebrities to like promote your product but there's all kinds of influencer marketing and there's all kinds of different ways how you can um have evangelists for you and that's the best that's really the best form of marketing is like to have you know a core group of people who are really believe in your product and have them actually tell their friends their family because it's like even if you want like if you give the product and this this goes for just any business in general i feel like if you if you have a you know a uh, restaurant right and you might say okay look I'm going a, I'm to a feed this one person but this one person is connected to 25 other people so he's going to eat for free but he loves the food so much he goes back and he tells his whole neighborhood his whole block about the food now 15 people that he told come in now they're paying it's worth it and I think that you know for entrepreneurs like I said that's a valuable lesson just for entrepreneurs in general it's that's never-
1: definitely the strategy yeah. um, I, I found that you know, a lot of stuff I started doing before we we are bigger now. I was just doing it, you know, under my old company, Neuro Fitness Center. That I was following Lululemon's model, you know, which is you know their ambassador program. They you know they they're arming all their yoga these yoga teachers with their clothing. You know, um, that's how Lululemon really got to that place that, that they are is through a, a really strong ambassador program. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. you you are, you're the leader of of this. Uh mental health gym space, right? So I'm thinking, and even you said Charlemagne searched it. Have you seen anybody try to create it or, or replicate it or, or come into the space? Are you seeing more people
1: doing that? I mean, people people will come into the space. And and, and again, like I said, they'll put a, a bunch of technologies under one roof. Uh, and then they'll hear me get on a podcast. Like I did a podcast with a guy who had a floating podcast just for floating. And I came on in and I started talking about everything I'm talking about, trauma, fight or flight response, all these different things. And he said, "Wow, we never heard of that before." So I'm like, "So what are y'all doing? <laughs> like, what, what, are you, what are you doing with the tools? You don't, you don't even know. It's like, it's like a, you know, you give a baby grand piano to anybody, but that don't mean they're gonna get on there and play it, yeah. right? So for me, the brand and the philosophy is what Inception is. Not so much we put all these tools under one building." Because I've I've had more tools at one point and pulled them out because they didn't fit the rhyme or reason. So I'm kind of ahead of understanding how the pieces work and why they work.
2: Yeah, the brand ambassador, one thing, I just want to go back to that because that made me think of another interview that we did. We interviewed Nick Storm, shout out to him. And he was like the driving force behind Serac and um, hypnotic as well, and especially when it's a rock. He was saying, like, you know, people might not know, but the reason Ciroc really blew up is not Diddy. It was actually the ambassador program with DJs. And they had DJs from all over the country, from New York to Ciroc Detroit boys. to Atlanta to and, and they they really they focused on the DJs because they understood that the DJs was in the nightclubs where people buying bottles in the nightclubs. So if they that's when they started with the Ciroc boys. And he was telling us the whole play behind the ambassador program. And when you told me that, I just realized that, you know, a lot of times we hear stuff on such a high level, like that Sarat ambassador program, but it's like, you can really implement any kind of business strategy, whether it's a, a big or small level. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's like, I like, like that
1: strategy when it was me by myself working. you know? Yeah. yeah. So, it's all about creativity. So Way to get to a certain level to implement something like that.
2: Yeah. Now that's dope. So as far as like on a mental health conversation, because like I said, I mean, I, I think that it's not talked about it enough as far as the, the stress the entrepreneurs might face. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that, that listen to this podcast that are entrepreneurs or business people. Can you talk about that? Because it's, it's a unique set. Of you as an entrepreneur, I'm sure you probably know yourself, right? Like even going through this coronavirus and not being able to open up your business, like the financial demands, and and just the different stress level. You don't work a nine to five job if you're an entrepreneur. You never get off. You're always thinking about your business. Two o'clock in the morning, that can that can mm-hmm. that can cause divorces. That can cause you not spending enough time with your children. It can cause you all kinds of mental stress. So I think that that's something that we haven't spoke about. Um, As well, so I want to talk about that because that's there's always a flip side to everything, and the flip side of being an entrepreneur is the mental. So, how can people mentally, um, you know, get themselves in a good space? And can you talk about some of the mental stresses and pressures that entrepreneurs may face?
1: I mean, you you said it like it's it's a daily daily thought process, Um, and specifically when you start taking on when I start taking on employees and my rent quadruple. You know, um, you know you got a bigger nut to crack before you can break even, right? So that day-to-day stress or monthly stress because really around the beginning of the month, everybody's stressed, right specifically business owners and and I, I, re- I realized that because I was doing uh, probably about 20 years ago I was doing um, um, what do they call uh, factoring. Where we take invoices and pay on those invoices. Where I learned at that point in time that the average business is literally at that point was like six weeks from going going out of business, you know, based on their cash flow. So this is something that's like it's not just it's not just you know a few people. It's all of us who you know in the business world we have these mental these stressors going on. If I didn't if I didn't do my own stuff, dude, I would have been gone. Like, there's no way I could have been overcome. I was building, I was going through a lawsuit, still running the location, still running another location, and building Inception all at the same time while going through a lawsuit. And, you now I spent a lot of time brain training. I spent a lot of time using my tools because, again, when you're going through stuff like that and you, especially a lawsuit, you get these, what they call, interrogatories and things of that nature. they send you stuff and they tell you the worst thing about yourself right and you just fired up like what you said what like you you know they keep doing that and still be trying to build a business and then the businesses aren't necessarily where they need to be and i gotta pump in cash flow for both both businesses i mean that that's very stressful but you have to find some type of outlet that's outside of your business and that's something I did in 2017. I actually started, um, I got with a guy and um, I wanted to learn it earlier. I started salsa dancing and it, I would go once a week to my homie who, who's from New Orleans, who's like one of the best Cuban salsa dancers in the world, black guy named Dwayne Wren. And I would, I would, I would have that mental space and that one hour with him. You know, once a week, and then I would go out and I would dance. It gave me ability to get back into some type of community where people didn't know me as like a you, the business owner, you this, you that. Like, I need to be able to just go and focus on something that's totally outside of my business. And that's one of the things that helped me and just community too. You need people around you. You can't be, if you're out here and you're a lone soldier, I mean, entrepreneur suicide is really high. Hmm. People don't know about that. You know, because again, specifically now I'm fortunate in the sense of, I guess some people think I'm fortunate, not fortunate, but I'm single. I don't have a, I don't have a family. Like that's how I'm able to go through this. Cause there's no way I would take a, a wife and kids through what I'm going through right now. Mm. And a lot of people do it. I'm like, I commend you. I don't even know how you do that. Cause I, there's no way I would be able to do that. So if you're a, if you're a single person, an entrepreneur, you definitely have to surround yourself with strong people. Um, and I never really had the business people, you know, you know how you want to find mentors and people who are doing great business. I never really had that. I've been doing this kind of all on my own uh, the last 13 years. And and here and there, I'll, I'll get plugged in with little people here and there. But I think it's important to find community to do something outside of your business and find community to people who are doing things bigger than you.